this is Unrelegated, recording live from our studio at Hudson FC with special guest Ricky Bevington of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Welcome, Ricky. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. Thank We're you so, for having we me. We are so excited. Can you can you just say welcome to Unrelegated for us? I just want to hear your voice across. We also want to be able like, to be able to clip this out and just repeat this <laughs> over and over again in my best NPR voice. Yes. Welcome to Unrelegated. Oh, so smooth oh and savory. Oh my gosh, I'm just going to like have Alexa repeat that to me as I'm going to sleep. God, it's like butter on toast. Oh, I love it. I love it. So um, guys, before we get into to all the stuff, because we have so many questions for you, and I know you just got back from the Ukraine and um, you were doing some exciting things over there, but uh, I mean, Kelly, recap for me. How It's been... It's been a week or two I know, since we were all together. I know I filmed you guys doing yeah. Queens of the South, but that's always different. Yeah. That is always. So that was the first time we, we filmed Queens of the South, which was, I, I, if anybody's been checking up on, on Twitter and Instagram, we also had some wonderful mishaps, uh, as it always is for the first very time of filming. Brand. Yes, very on brand. Um, but I actually spent the weekend in Crossville, Tennessee, a small, small little town in uh, Tennessee, kind of near Knoxville. Um, I went up to go see an old friend of mine who was in um, a really prodigious playhouse there. Um, got some wonderful time watching some plays and just relaxing. So I just got back from Tennessee uh, late Sunday night. Did you bring them flowers? I did not bring them flowers. What? I brought them myself, which is just <laughs> as equal as flowers. I, d I don't know the rules anymore. I just know like if uh, if w my nephew, is he's in a lot of plays and we have to bring a bouquet of flowers because he's one of the lead roles ah. or whatever. I, I think we still do. I think I, my, my Jenny does it anyways. You yeah. know, it's, it's her nephew, so it doesn't matter if he's in the chorus. He I gets don't, a bouquet of flowers. I don't know if it's like once you get over a certain age, it's okay to not bring flowers. I didn't even think about bringing flowers. I now I feel rules. like a really awful friend. <laughs> That's, what I'm wow. That's what I'm here for. Look, I, I, I bought her two bottles of wine. Oh, well, so that, oh, that counts. That counts. That counts. Better yeah, than yeah, way better. <laughs> uh, Last longer, depending on who you are. That's uh, <laughs> That's very true. Uh, how fast you drink. Um, I actually went and, uh, you know, uh, every now and then, like on a uh, Five Stripe Friday, the team will do a scavenger hunt or something. And, like, the last one I kind of made fun of because it was, like, right at 5 o'clock, like, right at rush hour. And I was like, I was like, if you do the scavenger hunt, like, this is actually a test of your fandom. Like, <laughs> in downtown Atlanta, in the middle of rush hour, you know, good on you. I'm not How much doing of it. a fan are you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm plastic. I, I won't do it. <laughs> I won't go through the traffic. So if that makes me a plastic fan, I'm a plastic fan. But I did it this time. And actually, I'm kind of uh, surprised, Kelly, because they did the scavenger hunt uh, where that uh, new peach drawing mural is off Edgewood Ave. Which is like right down the street. It's right down from the street where from where I work, work, and I still haven't seen it. Or and I, I got there. It took me like twenty minutes to get there, and I was like the fourth person to get there. I'm so ashamed. And I was surely expecting to get there with Kelly Francis holding the crate, the peach kit crate, and like wait, they had a crate a with it too. Yes. You, and what? You, like, if oh I got there twenty goodness. minutes and there were people, just, like the first guy had just arrived minutes before me. Imagine. I you could have walked there in three minutes. Oh, for sure. Or I could have been completely bougie and got like a you bird or, or, or a I, lift scooter just, and been there in a minute. Because you, you and Jessica work in the same building. So yes. I was just imagining you guys running and tripping each other, <laughs> like elbowing to get there <laughs> first to get the peach kick oh, crate. We, we both know who would end up winning that fight. I was very disappointed. I was expecting uh, to see you guys there. But that's okay. I knew you were working. And so that your boss would be happy because it means you were, you were busy working. Yeah, you I were was, watching was, the Twitter. I was focused. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ricky, again, thank you for joining us here at Hudson. Uh, uh, first of all, welcome back to Atlanta. Thank you. You guys have been really busy while I've been in the Ukraine, mm -hmm. so I feel totally out of touch with uh, Tennessee theater <laughs> and downtown scavenger well, hunts. And that's, we're here to catch you up. That, I mean, that's what we're here for. Um, what, what were you doing in the Ukraine? I was there during their presidential election. The Ukraine is going through an interesting transition. They are right next to Russia, and they're kind of at this pivot point in their history. And the presidential candidates are deciding whether to bring the country more toward Europe and the United States in terms of their political system and value system and social makeup or maybe move toward Russia. So I was there literally on election night at the three watch parties of the leading presidential candidates, which was fascinating. Wow. Pre you know, watch parties for politicians are 
pretty standard and pretty vanilla and very safe. They might have a rock song that right. they go right. to, right? right? Like <laughs> Born in the USA or something. That's pretty much the highlight of a, a typical political. Watch yeah, maybe party. they'll take off you their know. jacket and roll right. up their sleeves, right? right. Oh wow, <laughs> we're getting risky there, Jay. Right, or like have two glasses of wine. Right. Um, but one of the leading candidates, who's actually a comedian, he's an actor. Oh wow, he's forty-one years old, zero political experience. I walk into his presidential watch party after the other two, which were just safe. And and pretty, you know, stale. I walk in and there's foosball, there's <gasps> ping pong, there's uh, air hockey, what? there's an open bar, and everybody's like under thirty. So uh, very different uh, election experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. And he's in the runoff with the incumbent president. So oh, nice. uh, Ukraine, lots going on right now. Highly recommend a trip to, to Kiev at very least. Very cool. Well, we're glad you're back and that you can join us. And now we can can drill you about soccer and your your Land United fandom and all that stuff. Um, first, I, I want to kind of get an idea of how you got into broadcasting because I was just telling you guys before we started recording. Mm-hmm. A year ago, I didn't even know how to edit audio. I didn't have a mixer. I didn't have anything. These are facts. And, and it opened my mind, and then I started getting into video, and it's like, oh, my God, Like, there's so much you can do with this stuff. But, I mean, you've been doing this for quite a while. I have been doing it for quite a while since really before online video. So uh, before, before you Before the could, interwebs? What? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I'm not a thousand years old. <laughs> But I will say that things have changed since I first got into the industry. And I got into it by accident through passion, just like you. I was invited. I was tutoring this girl in college. And her father came home one day and said, do you need a summer job? Because we need interns. And it turned out that he ran Sundance Channel, which is an independent film channel in New York. It was in New York City. So that's really how I fell into it. I needed a summer job. It was a paid internship, which are hard to find in New York, so I could afford to stay. Wait, I'm sorry, you said paid I internship, know. New York. It, it does Those feel like three a words don't go ago. together. I know. I'm sure it was like $250 <laughs> for the whole summer, but it was something, um, and that launched my broadcast career. That's amazing. And then. As we all know, you eventually worked your way down to Georgia, mm-hmm. and you've been with Georgia Public Broadcasting for how many how many years now? Thirteen long and lovely years. Oh, Boom. wonderful years, wonderful years, I am sure. What brought you into Georgia Public Broadcasting? My parents grew up in Atlanta, and I was born in Piedmont Hospital, so I had family roots here. Mm-hmm. And they had, I was raised in the Northeast, in the town next to Miles Robinson. Oh, oh wow. He's an Arlington, Massachusetts Trivia native. Fact. I grew up in Winchester. We were soccer rivals, at least the girls' teams. <laughs> right. And I remember teams by their colors. Arlington is uh, maroon and white. So Miles and I, of course, have walked down memory lane together, <laughs> the Arlington-Winchester <laughs> soccer rivalry. Um, but I was raised up there because my, my parents went to graduate school when I was a baby. Um, so I had family roots here, and when I decided I really wanted to commit to public radio and television, I'd been in commercial broadcasting, I worked for the CBS-affiliated Hartford, Connecticut. I'm a Connecticut guy. You are? Shelton, yeah. Okay, so you know WFSB TV. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Channel 3 Action News. (laughs) Live, local, late breaking. I was your overnight producer writing the morning newscast. And I would get off at 7 a.m., and I would go so to basically volunteer. Between, between you and D. Snyder, that's basically the two stations I listened to. I was really? D, uh, yeah, D. Snyder, when it was still the rock station, before they made it a, a, a pop station. Uh, and they would put on the, those great rock festivals. And then, of course, you know, um, uh, Hartford. Yeah, there was just, I remember radio was a big deal when I lived in Connecticut. I was still a big part of my life. So, very cool. Very, Very cool. Nice. Sorry, I'm just reminiscing now. I'm just thinking. I that. know. <laughs> we could talk about Connecticut for hours and hours. Home, of the, wiffle, home of the wiffle ball, by the way. Home of the wiffle ball. <laughs> really random, Jay. Really random. Sorry, I don't he know likes, Miles Robinson, Ricky. He likes, he likes to have. throw those random things in there quite frequently. But you, you, you obviously worked your way down to Georgia Public Broadcasting. Yeah. So I, um, I got into NPR and PBS because I started volunteering at the local public radio station mm-hmm. um, at 7 a.m. when I'd gotten off my overnight shift. So I was kind of their volunteer news producer. And then one day they needed a Saturday morning host, so they were like, go on air, sure, figure it out. So I <laughs> dove right into live radio. Do the thing, yeah. Just, you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So those poor Connecticut listeners, <laughs> right? And then one of my, like, my fourth day on air, the Pope was dying. 
and oh I'm my all gosh. alone what? in what? the studio, and I'm reading these like breaking news updates about. I mean, anyway, just the somebody's broadcast career is going to have these moments of just pure insanity. I'll pledge some money if you get Ricky out of there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm turning on the radio like the Pope is dying. Back to the news. <laughs> oh my gosh! What more do you say? I, I feel for people that are like on TV and have to break news every day and then just jump into like a happy story about a kid who you know lost his cat and where you know like they found, and then found it the yeah. Cat, yeah and you're like oh my gosh uh that car wreck that he's still talking about i'm still thinking about it like I just yeah. oh my gosh <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> i didn't answer her question though. oh i no, got no. to Let georgia question, because a job opened up yeah. and i thought that georgia public broadcasting would be a great opportunity for me and i could do both tv and radio yeah so i've done tv and radio for gpb for 13 years that's in, that's insane. I remember growing up to GPB quite often, um, and the program that was on that station, I always loved. And my parents, that was like the one station my parents always agreed that I could that I could watch. Mm-hmm. Everything else space. was just like, I don't know, we'll consider that. Mm-hmm. But I remember I could always just it was a, it was a safe bet that if there was something going on, I could I could safely watch that. And my parents wouldn't be like, go do go do this or go do that. So. Yeah, I was raised on public radio. My, my parents were always had. We'd go on long car trips. NPR was always... It was either books on tape or NPR. Like, there was no in-between. Um, you know, now with satellite radio, I think my dad does some other stuff. But, yeah, that was, that was my life, you know, growing up. If I was in the car with two working parents a lot. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, it, NPR, the number of hours in my life, <laughs> it was a lot. It was really, you know... So when I moved to Georgia, you know, having... And there's, like, two different stations, too, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it was and, – and I lived in Smyrna, and I could pick up both of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I already heard the news that yeah. they were talking, I could flip to the other station, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> I do the same thing, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I don't have to listen to the same story twice. I wish I had this up in Connecticut with WNPR up there. But now, do you ever find a chance to weave Atlanta United into your work at all? Like you just did, you just mentioned you were Miles Robinson, you know? Yeah. Like, just so. that, hold on, that was a very casual. <laughs> yeah, me and Miles. We go, uh, we go your, way back. Is your producer like, Ricky, okay, try not to talk about Lane United <laughs> today? Try, try not to weave. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say my newsroom colleagues would invite me to have less newsroom chatter, a commentary about the last night's <laughs> you know, game. Yeah. But they've learned a lot about the game of soccer from yours truly. Right. You're an ambassador. So, and I and I might have just volunteered a bunch of flags on the walls of the newsroom. <laughs> I might have put those up. They've just they appeared there one morning. How unfortunate! Um, it's just necessary, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting to have a personal passion, and that personal passion becomes a news story that it is actually within my job scope to cover it. Yeah. Right. So I was up at Fla- the Flowery Branch Atlanta Falcons practice uh, place where Atlanta United was practicing before they had their own facilities a couple of days before their very first game, and I was interviewing Jacob Peterson. Oh, wow. no longer with the team, and Miles was... Anyway, they were the two players that they let me interview. I couldn't talk to Tata. I couldn't talk to anybody else. I could I could observe the practicing. Um, Jacob Peterson was like nobody had any idea. I mean, he was he was nervous. Yeah. You know, he's like, there's still players getting off the plane. We just met each other. You know, not everybody speaks English. There's translators on the field during coaching, and it was there was one other reporter there. And, and me. And I did a whole feature on the beginning of the season and nobody really knowing what was going to happen. And then within weeks, the world learned that, oh, this, gosh, this is going to be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say that was the first of probably a dozen stories I've done on Atlanta United, which is a lot for about two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right over the two year mark of this of the season. Right. Before Atlanta <laughs> United. 2016, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before Lane United, yeah, Yeah, it was three years, three years, yeah. Yeah. Before Lane United, we didn't have a professional soccer team in terms of first, uh, uh, first division, right? We had Silverbacks and things like that. So I mean, how often before Lane United did soccer come up in the news? Was it ever like international soccer news or anything like that ever come up? I don't think I ever did a soccer story before Lane United. So wild, so wild. Yeah, I do remember there was a a particular uh, time. Because we're Twitter friends, obviously. <laughs> we're Twitter um, besties. We're Twitter besties. Oh. But I do remember that there was a particular tweet that you had at some point that was like, um, I promise 
I'm going to try to limit my amount of <laughs> tweeting about Atlanta United. <laughs> and I just, I remember I just thought that it was so like, charming because it was like, yeah, no, I'm, tweet away. Yeah. You mean you don't constantly talk about them 24-7? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's the complete, <laughs> like I'm thinking the complete opposite. Like, no, tweet more. Tweet, tweet more. more. We want um, more. But, but uh, at the same time, I was just with the Siempre United, uh, Spanish-speaking uh, Atlanta United podcast and uh, uh, one of the parceros at, at playing paintball on Sunday. And we made it through the whole day without talking about soccer. So that was actually kind of nice because we just kind of enjoy the moment. Right. We, we didn't right. talk about it. So I was like, oh, okay, that's what that's like. <laughs> to not be constantly talking about it. You know what's so funny is I, I literally went to Tennessee to have a break, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready to do things and I'm watching games while I'm getting ready to do things. And I'm like, of course Addict. I am. And then I'm like, okay, well, nobody's going to talk to me about the games. Like nobody's going to sit there and watch the games with me. And we're... I sat with them one night and we started watching Iron Man to like get ready for the new Avengers movie coming out. And one of the theater performers came in and was like, I follow you on Instagram and Twitter. I love Atlanta United. Let's talk Atlanta United. Oh, and no. I'm like, what? You followed me all the way you to Crossville? Blo- you got blown up. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, <laughs> but that so being, much for the break. <laughs> yeah, right. So that being said... Um, I think your your intro into Atlanta United was more based on um, Georgia Public Broadcasting wanting to get the story, but mm-hmm. you yourself um, were a soccer fan. I'm Early adopter. Yeah. Yes. So first of all, I have to fact check us. Two years ago, March, is when Atlanta United played their first game. Yes. It's not three years ago. It's 2019, right? So right. That's, that's the journalist in me here. <laughs> like, let's get our facts straight here, folks. So... Here's why I rekindled my love of soccer. I grew up playing, Mm -hmm. and I guess I sort of fell away from it in college. I wanted to party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chase boys. (laughs) So I was not a soccer player. I played ultimate in college. So just very similar, you know. I'm so glad we have, we're doing video on this because that was adorable. <laughs> I mean, we're, we can, we're among friends, right? So, um, and I was dating this guy who came from Europe and was passionate about soccer. But every time I would tell him about my, I was captain of the women's soccer team in high school and I was really passionate about it, he kind of would look at me sideways. So when we broke up, I thought, you know what? This is who I am. I love soccer. I am a soccer player. It made me the woman I am today. It taught me leadership. It taught me collaboration. It taught me big picture thinking. You've got to see the whole field. You have to anticipate what might happen. You have to know your team's strengths and weaknesses. You have to know the plays. You have to follow instruction from your coach. That has all played into my career today, right? So I went out and I said, I also make my own money and I'm going to go buy myself some season tickets. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. Take that. <laughs> and, and I bought myself some club season tickets. Boom. And because I wanted the second level so I could see the whole field yes. at once. I 100% That's, understand okay, that. Okay, so yeah. players will, certain kinds of soccer players will know what, it's, what it means to see the entire field. Mm-hmm. And I can see how the players are watching the game and the decisions they're making based on what they see, you know. Um, So that's how I rekindled my love of soccer. And then, of course, being an anchor on NPR and GPB, I can then bring that into my journalism. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, from those club seats... Uh, do you have any favorite match day moments? Uh, I have the one that everybody talks about, which is the first game. Right? Yes. No, but I have more. No, okay, I have a me? couple more. Yeah. The so- no, no I, I said that just because it's like everybody talks about it, and I, I admitted this in a vlog that we did. I That was the one, the only game I've ever missed. Did you miss? <laughs> Bless your heart. I know. It's the one game everyone talks about it. It's the one game I Do you I remember the first goal? The first Kelly's game? like, no. no. We still talk about it. So, So, you know, when I told people I'd bought season tickets, they looked at me like I had three heads, like Mm -hmm. soccer and wait, a woman bought her own season ticket. Like there were just too many question marks here happening. Like, what is the soccer game? This is the South. We don't play soccer. It's at a college stadium. Like what's happening? All of it. (laughs) So walking into that first game and realizing I wasn't the only one. Right. Yeah. That there were 
tens of thousands of other people who were just as excited about this as I felt like I belonged finally. Yeah. And I didn't have to explain myself yeah. finally. But I have a couple of other moments. One bringing legendary University of Georgia football coach Vince Dooley to his first Atlanta United what? game. This would have been like October 2017, right before the end of the season. And this is a man who has done everything in sports, right? He, I couldn't get him to his seat because he was so impressed with the fans that he kept stopping to look at them. That's insane. <laughs> so we're trying to fans, make our way yeah. to, the, and, I, and he just keeps stopping and turning around, and his mouth, his jaws dropped, and he's like, "Why are they standing what? still? <laughs> Why are they all standing? Why are they all yelling the entire game?" So if Vince Dooley can be impressed by a stadium of rabid sports fans, I know that Atlanta United fans are doing something right. That's incredible. Um, and then the third is I brought my father to a game. My father grew up in Atlanta, and one of our ushers, they're about the same age. So two guys in their 60s start chatting. It turns out they both saw Pele play. What? In 1968 at Fulton County Stadium, that which preceded Turner Field. And they were both high school ushers. So they were working the game what? that day. That is so crazy. I just got goosebumps. I did too. <laughs> oh my and gosh. It's like their summer jobs. And sort of watch them realize it as they're just chatting like old guys, you know, catching up. Oh, you're from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. And to realize they'd shared that experience you know, when they were 16 or however old they were, was really neat to just watch the whole thing unfold before me. Yeah. So, yeah. That is incredible. It's it's it's. We're gonna have to shut down that question I'm, line of questioning now because I mean, how do you top you that? You can't top that. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. That usher. You guys should interview that. We usher. should. I will we connect should. you with him because he's always at my club. That yeah. would be incredible. I mean, Jay. We would Jason, go to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's we would will, go to him. Yeah. We'll bring we'll bring the interview <laughs> to him. It happen for sure. Okay. For um, sure. Yeah. So uh, being being that, and uh, you've had these incredible moments um you've actually been up and you know close and personal with players as well whether it's you know by through that interaction or just watching them on the field who is your favorite Atlanta United player and mm -hmm. why yeah I'm gonna say the person that a lot of people say which is Darlington Nagby oh yeah oh. For, for, since you'd, the beginning you'd actually be surprised not a lot of people say last him. year people he don't. was getting a lot of yeah. love and then now it's been kind of like I feel like uh, I don't know why, but it's just I feel like he doesn't get talked about Enough. as much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I since since the beginning I've known, and it might be because I I'm a similar player. Right. I was a similar player back in my. You always years you ago. always will be. I the will. Same. It's true. You actually. always will be. Yeah, and he. Um, in fact, the team Atlanta United's Twitter handle tweeted out something about Darlington. It might have been his birthday, but it said our. And then an emoji diamond in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's it. Yeah. Her diamond in the middle. That's Darlington Nagy. He, he's totally aware of what's happening. He anticipates plays. He, I, I mean, forget just that he's so consistent. And this is what I think a lot of casual soccer fans don't see. They see the big plays and the right. big stars and the dramatic moments. What they don't see is the the, t the tiny little touches and the tiny little decisions that are made by super consistent players that you can trust within any scenario, forward or back, who are going to set things up so the big dramatic plays can even begin. Even if it's 25 touches behind the big play, it started back there in the middle with somebody like Darlington Nagy. That's that it's such an important uh, piece to always bring up and mention because I mean when we discuss what's going on with the with the team and we discuss uh, our our analysis on the game, it is important to realize that there are players who are constantly consistent and there are players who sometimes don't get the light shed on them that they deserve and so that sort of bleeds into this question which was prompted to us by Jason Longshore um, last last season which was this idea of who would you say is your most underrated player um, and it could be a Darlington Nagby mm -hmm. or it, it could be somebody else I mean in your opinion who would you see as being the most underrated player well I guess it depends on, I mean, well, I'll just stick with Darlington because yeah. it, I mean, it depends on who you're asking. If you're asking the casual Atlanta United fan, it, it would be because they wouldn't really be, it's hard to explain that. 
to somebody um, who doesn't, who only sees the scoring or the sprinting or the long crosses. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I guess I, I'd also don't want to say that Darlington Nagby is underrated. He's very celebrated. Um, so it might be a younger player who maybe hasn't had a chance to prove themselves. We're seeing that with Miles Robinson this season, somebody who's still developing, coming into his own. Um, He's been our MVP well, this right. season. He is like last, crazy. Last year he couldn't consistent? get a game because he wasn't consistent, and now he's now yeah. he's, he's really shining. Now so, whenever yeah. whenever he's not in the lineup, we're like, what's going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, very cool. So um, those are like the three questions for a while there because we had so many – we were rotating so many different watch parties. We had so many new guests and stuff. That's what we would ask mm-hmm. everybody that comes on. Um, so now you got those out of the way. Um, but – now I want to delve into more about the culture around Atlanta United. So, you know, we talk about the match day experiences and, and, and all of that stuff. What do you feel connects you to the team? I mean, obviously you see an, a Darlington Nagby. You like that because that reminds you of the way you played soccer, things like that. You like the fact that, you know, when you uh, brought Dooley to the game, you know, the fans and how that connection with. I mean, what is it? What is it about the team that really you know, drives you to mm-hmm. talk about it all the time. You know, we'll drive your coworkers crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the positivity of the fans is really nice. Um, you know, not that we can't engage in, oh, it's so weird to say. I can't say a swear word in front of a microphone because <laughs> I've been, I was going to say crap talk. Um, I've been doing this for t- far too long and I've lived under the FCC guidelines. I was so, I was going to say a bad word, but that's so awkward. We could, we <laughs> could, we could insert it. We can just ins- I can, I just, I can just yeah. try and imitate your voice Kelly and say it for you. Over. So off brand for an NPR anchor to say <laughs> shit talk. Yes! <laughs> so excited uh, i'm also going to clip so, that and repeat that and let that be so, what puts me to sleep at you night you are so unrelegated <laughs> um i think so the positivity of the fans like even when we're ranking on orlando it's fun and it's really to kind of pump ourselves up as much as it is to sort of trash the other team um i interviewed the guys of footy mob early in mm-hmm. early days probably yeah. even before their first tailgate yeah i can't remember the other guy's name but curtis um, jenkins uh is one of the founders yeah. yeah and it was like how atlanta is this these guys take atlanta songs they change the lyrics to be soccer chants and they had little cards made to right. hand out to the and it just was kind of the grassroots nature of people embracing the team and i know that that's unique that atlanta united let like the people decide what the fan groups supporters groups were going to be it wasn't the team creating the supporters groups and then darren eels sort of invited them in to collaborate and now i think the supporters groups have really informed how the team kind of promotes the culture Mm -hmm. and that kind of grassroots fandom is is very special and it's really i think how arthur blank has been so successful as a businessman with home depot he was a user experience expert that's a lot of how he built the success of that company he would interview his customers in the parking lot like what did you like about the store why didn't you buy something when you were in there and arthur blank is not only a genius at marketing but he really cares about the user experience and we fans are users so I think that that makes the fan experience really powerful. But then soccer in the streets, the work that the team does to develop young players. I interviewed um, maybe a nine-year-old who's one of the um, you know academy or player development, mm-hmm. um, whatever MLS requires. You know each team to develop um, right. young players, and he was just so excited about being able to wear a little shirt that he felt part of the organization. So what? Um, what the team is doing for the community in terms of raising the next generation of soccer players, boys and girls. Yeah, and I, I even have friends, I'll see friends that I've made uh, through Atlanta United that have kids and they'll be on Facebook and their kid gets invited or they get to go to the and they may not make it, but just the experience just is everything to them, to mm-hmm. be able to go to the training ground, to be able to do that stuff. So yeah, all the outreach and just how well Atlanta United has embedded themselves in the community um, I mean, yeah, you can't escape it. Well, you're driving down the street now. It's just they're always going to see a flag or a sticker or, or a mural. And I think that's <laughs> yeah. one of the, the, the best things that I love about this city is that it's it's embraced 
everyone. It feels like mm-hmm. that that there is no group that it, that it, this team doesn't fit. Yeah. That, that that this team doesn't welcome with open arms. And I think that's one of the most amazing things. And I think that that also spreads into this idea that 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 there can be art and there can be flags and there can be paint and various parts of the city. I mean, we're talking about murals all the way from where I live in East Point. Um, over to around Georgia Tech, you've got some in the Old Fourth Ward, you know, uh, Cabbage Town. Going further up, you've got some in Buckhead. You've got some in, in Roswell. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Alpharetta. I, I think somebody, there's also one in Alpharetta, but I mean, is yeah, there... Yeah, someone in Douglasville made their own yeah. as well. Yeah. Is there any particular... Yeah. Um, I know that there, there are many murals, but are there any uh, particular murals or uh, a particular mural in... Singularity, singularity, that um, you find um, engaging or or meaningful to the team and to the city. You know, I've only seen them mostly on social media, so mm-hmm. I think I have to maybe do a tour. That should be like something you guys do is like go visit all the. You could lead a fan experience. It'd be the cool. Murals. There's actually a website that uh, tries to keep up with the, all the city murals. They change so often, really? though, that it uh, oh, yeah, cool. that uh, it's a little out of date. But uh, that sh- someone should do that. Someone should make an Atlanta United like keep like track map. of all like a map of, yeah. of where they all are. Yeah, yeah. That, because that happens to come up a lot in Reddit and stuff. It's one of those recurring questions. Like every couple like months, someone will go, "Where do I mural? find this? Yeah. And where do I can go to see the murals?" So yeah. So if you're listening, yeah, someone go do that and then send so us a link make and a we'll for us. We'll advertise <laughs> it. We're too lazy to. That's, that's right. <laughs> Appreciate you. That's right. Yes. Are you have better resources <laughs> to do it than we do? Right. So yeah. By all Maybe means. you're good at maps. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're good at maps. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> so um, y- you have had a lot of guests in 13 years. You even told yes. us you're not used to being interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. You're, this is you're typically on the other side, um, uh, although you still came very prepared. Um, and Did you tell the listeners about my T-shirt? Oh, oh we my didn't goodness. even do that. Show it off to the camera. Show it off to the camera. You got the Joseph and Miggy, Miggy and, and Goose and, and Tito. Tito. That's one of my favorite tees, and I don't own it. I don't own that. You one. don't own that tea. That's one of the few I, I really like that. I don't. I don't own, yeah. I don't own that tea either. But yeah. you own all of them, so <laughs> that's lot. shocking. I own a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've been trying to cut back. It gets expensive, it guys. Does get expensive. <laughs> but it's so hard when a new shirt comes out, and then like, so I, I say I'm gonna go see Tanner at the team store and that's like my excuse to like go and be like what's new yeah what can i like force myself to not buy so it's like it's like one of those weird things of like eating dessert or like tasting some sort of sugar that you know know you're not supposed to have but you're just like i'm just gonna go and have just a little bit of it a taste yeah one of the worst one of the worst decisions i ever made was joining the atlanta united uh trade and sale group because every little tiny piece of swag that comes out is posted there for your eyes to see and for you to want immediately. Yeah. Uh, so Lord. I've been avoiding it uh, the last few months uh, so I could actually save some money for video equipment uh, <laughs> and things like that instead of a 300 T-shirt. Um, <laughs> I interrupted you, Jay. Go ahead. No, no, no. That, we're good at that here. Um, uh, so what's one of your favorite or what do you think is one of your most interesting guests? Um, you know, Interview guests? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Well, Dolly Parton was amazing. What? What? So smart. Oh in my Atlanta, gosh. or were yeah, you? In, in okay. I mean, I've interviewed. Gosh, so like I Salman know. Rushdie. I know it's, um, it's kind of a wide open. Que- it's a hard Ken question. Ken Burns, but. Jason Longshore. You know, <laughs> just like, wait. You interviewed Jason Longshore? I did. He actually I had, had no him idea. live. On yeah, the I show. saw the. We I saw did, the video. Like, yeah, yeah. It was. Really I do kind of remember that yeah. now. Yeah, I um, forgot about that. I w- well, Dolly I Parton w- was a highlight just yeah. because she's so interesting. Um, she seems so magnetic. She she's she looks fascinating, and she but then she starts talking, and you're like, holy cow! Like, boo! She was telling her story about being one of I don't know her more than a dozen children. Trap. <laughs> and her parents were illiterate. The only words they could read were out of the Bible. She taught herself to read. And now her philanthropy is actually giving books to young children. So childhood literacy is one of her oh, wow. real passions and where she devotes a lot of her philanthropic dollars. Uh, but just just how serious she was. You could see this woman is a businesswoman. She's obviously an incredibly talented musician and performer as well. But there's so much more than just the Dolly Parton that she presents um, that most people see on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Know. She is another uh, genius at many levels um, yeah. as well. What about athletes? 
athletes. Yeah. Anybody stand out? I'm I'd throw like, any curveball totally. in <laughs> No pun intended. Yeah. Oh, um, there you I, go, Jay. I think I interviewed um, Garth Brooks at a Braves game, but I don't oh, think that there you counts. Go. <laughs> um, That's a very interesting place, though, to so, conduct an yeah, interview. Sometimes you just have to meet them where they are. Yeah. Right? He, he had to get to his show, so he couldn't make it to the studio. I'm sure I've interviewed athletes, but I'm going to think about it while we continue our conversation. Sure. Okay. sure. Um, um, now, I know that a lot of listeners do like to chime in and they like to ask questions, things of that nature. Is there anything in particular that you absolutely remember as being like this sort of weird questioner that a listener asked? Yes. And you, I realize I didn't answer your question about why I tweeted about why I wasn't going to tweet as much about it. Oh, no, I was just making a comment, um, but I'd love to know the answer. Well, no, and I think it it ties in with this question because I have a very diverse audience. So Mm -hmm. my... On social media? Yeah, on social media and on radio. So I can't only clog up my content with one, um, what we call content vertical (laughs) um, of Atlanta United. (laughs) Industry (laughs) lingo, folks. Because people are trying to like come to me for, you know, I need to explain legislation, for example, or, uh, you know, a business deal. I need to explain taxes and, and I, a lot of other things, which is why I was saying. I mean, if you want to explain taxes to me when we're off here, I'd love to have a conversation with you. you know, like I spent a lot of the first quarter of the year reading legislation that's going through the General Assembly, so I pay less attention to soccer. So that was why I tweeted that. Um, I was I used to host a live talk show, it was a call-in show called the Consumer Call-in, and people with consumer issues could call in, and it, it's people who like had had prepaid all their money to have their pool dug and strangely the contractor disappeared after getting paid without doing any work. Isn't that odd? Uh, So things like that. These are real consumer issues. This one guy calls in and he wants advice because he's in. He's around thirty, and he'd never filed a tax return. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! I had a panel of experts, and I mean, it was like the most. There's dead air, and then there's deathly air. Awkward. It was it was awkward <laughs> silence because nobody wanted to chime in, in legal jeopardy either. and be like, well, I'm not an attorney, yeah. but we think you should call one. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I mean, it's like, what do you say to that? Right. Oh you know, goodness. he's like, am I in trouble? And, and, and I think that the secretary of state of Georgia, Kathy Cox was on the show that day. Oh, no. So she actually is an attorney. And she's like, well, I'm not giving you legal advice, um, and but I'm as your Secretary of State, <laughs> I, you know, she's just trying to say this in like the least like dangerous way possible. <laughs> of like, you, guy, you, you better get yeah. your, your act together because oh it's my. a big problem. Holy cow! So that might 30. be the, the craziest well, thing. But that's what happens when you have Collins. But so, that's also mind-boggling because you know, you know when I think about the people, you know, that listen to NPR. I, I think about people who are curious, who li- are you know hungry for information. So like for someone to call in that has no idea that they could potentially be in hot water, yeah. is, that's what's crazy to me. And the truth <laughs> is though, is that the all of the hilarious stereotypes about the NPR listener are not really true, no, especially no. not in Georgia. No, where you know my that's, audience that's only is the in entire Vineyard. state. That's yeah, <laughs> maybe Atlanta, right? <laughs> But my uh, Georgia's got 10 million people in it, yeah, and yeah. those are who—that's who's listening to me. So, I hear from farmers in South Georgia mm-hmm. and kids and people from really different worlds than I live in. And the, and so back when I say I can't do only do one type of story, it's because I'm talking to a really really diverse audience. Mm-hmm. And that farmer who you follows know. you on Twitter is really hoping you tweet more about soybeans. Right, and less <laughs> about Atlanta <laughs> United. <laughs> Why is it always Atlanta United? Never talking about soybeans. Nobody has ever complained about my Atlanta United coverage. That's good. For the record. Okay, great. And Wonderful. It, if they do, uh, we you will can find send them, them. You can send yeah. them our Twitter. <laughs> when I pronounce the name of a South Georgia town wrong, that's when I hear from people. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, but people like to do that regardless. I mean, I could say... I could say one word wrong and I could I could say the wrong word in general we've we've made and it a I game get, on this podcast I, we actually have the listeners email in everything that they that she that said I incorrectly and we can yeah. we can address it on the next podcast wow <laughs> I live I live and breathe my my um, my uh, grammar on the interwebs <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> corrected on Twitter um, I will I will ad- admittedly say uh, grammar was not my was not my and subject. We're talking about fun feedback. We're not talking about the yeah, mans- no, uh, the mansplaining DMs well, you get on occasion. Oh, I get I get man. <laughs> 
It's crazy. You would think that telling like, you how to talk about soccer on your correct, soccer podcast on my on my women's <laughs> on my Queens of the South women's episode. I got feedback from and mind you, I respect feedback and I respected the feedback he gave me. However, it was mansplaining. It you was a, it, it was mansplaining <laughs> on how I should uh, how I should appropriately. This is an interesting topic because as a woman in broadcasting, I mean, have you ever faced these challenges? Oh goodness! <laughs> I was sitting in my Atlanta United season ticket seats, mm-hmm. yeah. right in my club. And the guy next to me, who clearly was just given the ticket. That's the by thing the with club is, oh. is, the, is the people, the people all around us rotate. They just yes. rotate in and out. All I know. Well, I knew who the regulars yeah. are. We have yeah. each other's phone right. numbers. Like we're yeah. the solid. We got, I we have, have my regular phone numbers solid, also. We have you the know. solid eight. Yeah. But eight Billy, ten, yeah. who was given the tickets next to me, who clearly doesn't know that much about soccer, spent the entire game just gently leaning over and whispering to me what had just happened and i <gasps> he did, did con- not I didn't correct him you see an oh, offside i was is enjoying when, uh... it so much <laughs> i wish that's you the time know? we're like i wish i had a i knew a way to like quickly like activate my voice recorder <laughs> so right. just record the moment yeah for and, posterity and I, just, and, I, and I almost i really leaned in, i was like Tell me more. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what's offside? Again? Really? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. See, I, that's, I, I can understand how at some points it's, it's just a matter of being like, mm-hmm, that's so nice. But mm-hmm. there, there are moments where like, people have said things to me and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure I know more about soccer than you do. Mm-hmm. But okay. And it Thank isn't you. about knowing more than soccer. Of course, I'm happy to be corrected about anything. And trust me, I get corrected on lots of things. Um, it's about sort of the assumption that you can even slide into my DMs to correct me. <laughs> correct. Right. right. Um, like, who are you? Yeah. Right. It, typically, it's, a, it's somebody who contributes, which in which case I've got to respond. <laughs> I love all my listeners. Um, but that's what I think some people don't understand about, quote unquote, mansplaining. It isn't necessarily a content. It's the ass- Boundaries. assumption that you have a right to comment yeah. on my body, on my mouth, on yeah. my language, on my clothing, on anything, because nobody asked you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's called boundaries. Once again, people. clipping that out and <laughs> repeating that and going to sleep on it. And, and I'm going totally off script here, but this is what this is what's interesting because you know, uh, and this is the great thing about having Kelly and, and Jessica as part on relegated, is they offer a different point of view about soccer, about Atlanta United, and you know, one of those things. Uh, and actually, I think this will kind of dive into that. Is I'm going to skip ahead and talk about one go of ahead, the Atlanta United news for items. sure, for sure. Go ahead. One of the Atlanta United news items is the expansion of the training ground space an additional 17 acres or so and doug robertson had an interesting piece and listed eight you know theories and you had fun with it right mm-hmm. just do some different yeah, things funny. out there and um i'm not certainly going to read all of them but one of them at the top is a women's professional team either training ground or whatever is that's the first thing that came to my mind that's that's immediately what came to my mind when as well. when they announced this i mean were you even aware of that, that they announced this new um, parcel until we uh, uh, sent you our show notes? Or No, I, I mean, I saw Doug's article. Right. Uh, and I enjoy the fun that he had with it. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past Arthur Blank. Yeah. And he's a visionary and he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. And the story that I recently did for Marketplace, the national business show, was about the business model of Major League Soccer and why now it feels like suddenly this is becoming a thing, even though it's 20, the 24th season. And it's because of a very concerted effort to build the market, the consumer market for professional soccer. That market is only going to get bigger, and mm-hmm. that market is half female. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> and women enjoy watching other women play sports. So it would be, it, I think it would be the right decision, and I would not put it past somebody like Arthur Blank who is a business visionary, and he also anticipates where culture is going to be bringing a women's soccer team to Atlanta. I mean, especially with the the temperature going into the Women's World Cup this year, obviously with the whole debacle with the U.S. Soccer Federation and and the, the pay gap that we have between the women's national team and the men's national team, there's 
there's a lot of spotlight that normally going into a Women's World Cup, you have the basics, you have the talks, you have the conversations, the interviews. Now, because of the lawsuit that's going on, there it, it's almost like this, the spotlight has multiplied by 10 times because now it's not only just about the women going into the World Cup trying to get a repeat World Cup win, but now it's about the women have proven themselves time and time again to be the better national team, and you're paying them better attendance too. Better attendance. I mean, <laughs> on the backs of stadiums being filled in, in Italy with fifty thousand people or or elsewhere, you know, they're getting yeah. they're they're starting to have better viewership. It's it's this whole conversation of why are we treat or why are the women's national team mm-hmm. treated any bit differently than the men's national team when we produce more? And so it, there's. There's truly no, if we're just looking at job performance, and Mm -hmm. this is a job, just like any other job, and if you're paid for your job performance, there is zero legal argument that they shouldn't be paid. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, basis of just winning the World Cup alone. I mean... And it helps to win. Yeah, yeah. it does. Boy, are they good. They yeah. are good. <laughs> yeah. They and, are insanely and they're, good. They're, they're more popular than ever, even though they're they're actually not expected, anticipated to, to be win. the winners of the World mm-hmm. Cup this yep. year. That's what's wild about it is that it's flipped a little bit. So there's some things that need to improve on the women's side. But that requires money and investment. Mm-hmm. And it's just not getting that right money, now. Money, investment, right. And, and owners who want to take on that quote-unquote risk of a women's mm-hmm. uh, professional league. Yeah. I, I would be really – I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know how realistic it is now, but we did allude to it in one of our other podcasts because Nick Alifi pointed out, who's uh, uh, the host of soccer over there in the Soccer Down Here Network, pointed out that uh, they started a uh, girls' development academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to kick that off. Yep. So, like – coincidence mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's you know, what's going on a here lot, so. a lot of things line up for for certain reasons and and none of the people who are running our front office are just doing things on a whim there's obviously a plan in place so i i i commend them first off for starting the girls academy i think more girls need to i mean the development of the of the girls for for u.s soccer has gone down we've seen a, a decrease in and women in soccer it's been the status quo as far for as, a while yeah, yeah. The, and Under and the, you can uh, see that US federation leadership right and you can see that in other uh, nations like france and and england and um well you know who's picking up the 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 pace over there is the professional teams yes the professional teams are now attracting you know we're They'll send their women to college, and the college programs are still the best here, you know, in, in the states. But then after that, they're going back to England, right. where they would stick around and play here professionally. Right. Now they're going over to England, back to France, playing with their home country's professional teams but because they have better facilities, more money. The 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 college level here is still top notch, and it is still a, a place that people want to go to improve their their skills on the pitch and to improve themselves as a professional. But you are seeing the a decline. In, in uh, women's attendance and, and soccer for college because they are developing other academies in their home mm. countries that are... And now Americans are leaving. They're, yeah, to yeah. Go out and, play and they're going, they're going yeah. to Europe. Um, so, yeah, uh, in, that, in that way, they're, they're very similar to the men's program. <laughs> so, we're, you know, the men want, want to you know, uh, go to play in the top European leagues and stuff like that. But we should be the top women's league, yeah. you know, uh, here in, in... And I think... If we start it here in Atlanta, if we start a team, we could be a catalyst for a lot of change, I think, you know, and I hope so with that culture that exists here. Because I think they would, I think they should be able to play in the bends instead of this nonsense where they go off in a different stadium somewhere yeah. and get their own training facility and all that stuff. So that would be really cool. My, my theory was actually that they're going to have an Atlanta United themed cookout that they're going to go there. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting on that. Like the restaurant? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of theories that were thrown out in that article and I do, I, as, as Ricky said, I do enjoy the sort of entertainment that, that went along with it. The, the sort of fun that he played the with Joseph it. The Joseph statue. The Joseph statue. 17 Why acres. Not? Why not? That's, that's big enough, right? Well, I mean, it's seven, 17 acres to build a Joseph statue for yes. number 17. It yeah. works. There you go. Um, I mean, I think a sure bet would be office well, space. Well, what is? what about Arthur Blank selling 10% of the Falcons? Maybe he's moving that Wait, I didn't know this. Oh, I, I didn't know I, he, that happened. just told me. I'm looking at a Forbes article from two weeks ago. When I was in Ukraine. Welcome to Unrelegated so, Marketplace. I know. <laughs> and it just says he, um, it says he, this is Forbes, so I'm citing a different source. It says he sold 
a 10% stake in some assets owned by the Blank family business, including the Falcons, Atlanta United, and some real estate operating rights to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So maybe he's Duck liquidating cash. so he can, yeah. you know, throw some, some cash some money elsewhere. elsewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Very but, interesting. But based on my Marketplace story, I can tell you that, that based on the success of Atlanta United, he would be able to sell a 10% stake and do well. Yeah. I he think, won't give us the numbers. I've think. actually asked him. <laughs> After the first season, I asked him, so how much money did you make? And he didn't tell me. Is that weird? <laughs> no, but that would be a very interesting, I mean, that's a number that I'd love to know also. Yeah. But that's that's a that's a we're gonna hold we'll that never in my get back pocket. No, you'll never get it. Friend office. <laughs> maybe yeah. the, maybe that usher knows. Maybe you told the usher. He might <laughs> <laughs> talk to him. Oh man. Well, is there any? You mentioned the marketplace uh, story. Is there any recent work that you're really excited about that either you just did or is coming up that um, you, know, you could tell our listeners about? Well, yeah, I did do the marketplace story that aired a couple weeks ago, and I'll give you guys the link. You can share it. We and that was just yeah. I had uh, I featured Atlanta United fans and a young player. And I went to a game, but it was really just about, I actually interviewed Dan Cordemanche, who's from Atlanta, went to UGA, who's the, I guess, the senior vice president with MLS. Oh, nice. And he talked to me about the business model of Major League Soccer, how they've spent the last 25 years creating the soccer that we understand today, which is why it feels like we're, it's suddenly big, it's- but it's... Soccer wasn't he- soccer was here seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're joking. It's just it's sort of reaching this critical mass of marketing and some really really smart business decisions that the owners made. Um, so there's that, and that just is actually even for the casual audience member to just understand exactly even how Major League Soccer works. So what is coming up is that I will be broadcasting my live radio show live from the Gulch. Ooh, what? On May 29th, that is the day we're hosting Minnesota United, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. Wait, let me look. Okay. Wednesday, May 29th, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, we're hosting Minnesota United, and I'll be broadcasting 4 to 7 p.m. I don't know exactly where in the Gulch, but uh, we're working it out. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, AKA, I'd love for fans to come by and say oh, hi. Oh, good. Okay, great. But don't heckle while I'm live. That's awkward. Yeah. Uh, so because it's live, right? Right. Did I yes. mentioned live. It is yes. live. <laughs> it's live. You could ha- just heckle uh, politely. No swear words. Um, <laughs> FCC guys. FCC guys. This is NPR heckling. Yes. 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 Uh, that's something that we will keep in touch with you. We'll find out where you're going to yeah. be. Okay. We'll make sure that everybody knows where to go. We will be there. We'll be hanging out with you. We'll make sure that happens for sure. That's very exciting. I'm very excited to hear that. Uh, I know your producers and stuff or your equipment guys are a little, you know, like, oh, God, what is going on a big parking lot? Like, what's I that know. all about? <laughs> you can see <laughs> my, my engineer is looking at me like, wait, you want to broadcast <laughs> your show live from the middle of a tailgate. But I was, I yeah. was, I was assuring Ricky before, I was like, you, they got this. We we could do this. They could do this. For uh, sure. Siempre United does it all the time. All the time. Uh, yeah, those guys got it nailed down. So we could always hook them up with their, the engineers with Siempre United. Um, but uh, real quick, uh, while we wrap some things up, uh, Lane United uh, injury news. Uh, wah, wah. Mikey Ambrose will miss at least three weeks after suffering a slight tear of the meniscus in his right knee. That was our <laughs> left back option slash right back option. Yeah. Uh, and Escobar's still out, and oh, so no, Esco- Escobar's back in training. Well, he's back in training, but he's not, he's not going to start, I don't think. Um, so we're going to probably, I think, reading from what I'm reading, he's not going to be starting. So we're probably going to be succeed maybe Gallagher for, uh, for finally oh. for Lane I to come up, yeah, and play. Um, and then it opens up questions about the left back experience and what's going to happen there. So a lot of you know. It's it, not that like we haven't already been nervous enough about this because right. we don't have a great track record against New England. We've drawn them twice. They've been wonky games. Their field is weird. Uh, I mean, it's Connecticut. It's Gillette Field, right? So, <laughs> are you taking fi- I'm to do this? I'm taking pictures. While That's you're awesome. On the radio. I'm used to it. Uh, the, all the paparazzi. Yeah, all the paparazzo all the time. So, uh, so have you ever been to Gillette Field? Like where? You mean Wolfboro? We- uh, Wolfboro. 
I mean, uh, Foxborough. Foxborough, yeah. Yeah, yeah Wolfboro's in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, when I was coming in Massachusetts. up, it was, it was Foxborough. Yeah, yeah. Have but yes, I've been there. Yeah, and so it's a weird place to play. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the last time they showed a picture, the last game they had up there, there were literally like 300 people in the stands. It was, oh. So it's just a weird ambiance and we struggled in the past like we had this thing early in the first season right we had the curse of the the the, the teams with with crap attendance because it felt like if there was under 20,000 people in the stadium we would lose the game <laughs> yes we're so it made out of no sense. yeah so hopefully we go up there we got our stuff together after a weeks of rest and some of the guys were posting pictures i know you're the instagramaholic kelly did I, you see the ready he was like hanging out in some resort or something yes with barco yeah they were having a good time this is good though we, you know the yeah let them live their life yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, get Barco I'm, a better haircut. I'm pretty haircut. sure he did uh, way too many shimettis <laughs> wherever he was at. Yeah. What's that? The shimetti? It's, it's, oh, the, the, it's the Eric Rometti shimmy. Yeah. We call it the shimetti. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Which is, uh, it happened after he scored the goal up at NYCFC in the playoffs. It was cute. Yes, yeah. Now I know and, what you're talking And about. now it's called it's the shimetti. So going into this match, as an Atlanta United fan, you know, we've all been ex- learning how to experience disappointment in a different way this season i think and some of us are coping better than others how are you coping right now what are your expectations for this game you know what do you what do you want to see from the team um well let's win (laughs) you heard it here first (laughs) how about no rain oh Oh, no no bad weather right bad weather would be fantastic that yeah yeah. No, yeah. no just, slip and slide just, during the match. Just a game with, with actually some nice weather. Even if it's cloudy, just no rain. Yes. Uh, where there's no uh, excuses, puddles, things that happen. No funky red cards. Oh, yeah. You know, no, absolutely. Or, uh, I'd love no that. No weird stuff. I'd, yeah. love, I'd love everybody to come back from that game uninjured. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to see. Here's what I want to see, and I don't, I don't know how to do it. I'm mm. not going to try to coach the team. You're not going to whisper like the guy next to you. I want to be like, it's got to be this formation or this formation, and this person's got to be in. I want to leave the game feeling like every player was played to the best, to take, to bring out the best of their skills. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of meaning in that, and Mm -hmm. you guys know what I mean. And this goes for any leadership, right? When you take a team to do something, you want everybody to leave feeling like, I was directed and I was led such that all of the great things that I'm good at were, were executed here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was in the position to be able to do that. That's what I would like to see and, and feel like that was consistently. I'd like to see that that was understood in the way that they are asked to play the game. I think that would answer a lot of questions if we as fans feel we leave the game where the players actually look like they understand what's going yes. on. Correct. Where they feel comfortable and it's not like they're There's have a to direction. think about it. It's just they're playing. Because that's what I feel like we've, we've been missing is that fluidity that that sort of uh, that ability for the team to just go out there and it's click. Natural. Yeah. Yes. Like they're good at what they do. Yeah. Let we know we have some of the best players do. in the yes. league. You know, we do. they don't even have to think about it. They didn't it. stop being good soccer players all of a sudden. They did not. They so, did not. Yeah. I'd, I'd like. I think I think this goes along with that the direction. It's it's players playing with direction and being able to play with ease in the position because they know what the responsibility is. I think. To that point, I'm going to add on um, the ability to not hold back as far as creativity, mm-hmm. go forward, mm-hmm. uh, take the shot. Uh, I feel like sometimes when we do link-up play or what I've seen at the beginning of the season when we do link-up play, we're thinking too much about how how to appropriately link up when sometimes you just have to go for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like... Uh, yeah, more direct play. More sometimes. direct play, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a holding of the trigger sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's something that hopefully with this time they've had, uh, they can finally uh, have enough training uh, together and against a team that is uh, we should be able to beat, guys. I mean, this is not a team that is outstanding by any stretch of the match. This is not LAFC. This is not Toronto FC. So uh, it's just it's amusing to me when I think about expectations and how they've changed from the beginning of the year, we're sitting here talking about, like, I just want to see the guys out there having fun. And, and now, <laughs> whereas right. last year, it's like, I want to see Joseph get a hat-trick in this right. game and score six goals. The, ex- the expectations have changed. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think that that's a, that's a, that's a weird adjustment for, for us fans to have um, going from the team that we had last year to the team that we have this year and understanding. We all knew that there was going to be an adjustment period. I, I think 
this I, is well, more I, for than my, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for myself, I, I mean, I knew that there was going to be an adjustment period, but I didn't think that I'd be coming, we'd be coming into this game against New England and me being like, this is a must-win game. And yeah. it is. It honestly is. It's a team we should beat. It's, it's, you've had this team now for a one-week break and then a week training. It wasn't even a one-week break. It was just a... And they had time to get it before yeah. Columbus. You know. time to, yeah. this, is, this is the point where all of the excuses mm-hmm. are yeah. out the window. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah starting There are no more excuses. Yeah, other, other than the injuries in the back line and things like that, you know, the, uh, we, we, you know it, like you said, it's, it's getting thin. Um, they're just going to have to, to stand up. And if, even if we, like I said, even if we, we don't win, I just want to see, like you said, that, it, that it, we didn't lose because it, it was disjointed or, yes. you know, those things that, you know, for whatever reason, soccer is soccer. Sometimes you just, even if you're a better team, you yeah. Yeah. but at least show that there's a level of improvement right. happening so that, you know, we can kind of get the ball rolling, you know, because we have a big run of games coming up after this. It's must- really a lot of games, like 50 days. It's like some crazy number of games. Yeah. So. I still say must win, but I do agree that if, if we happen to tie or we lose, that it's a hard fought game and that if it's a, a loss, it's because of fluky or it, and it's not because we did not put in all of the effort and all the creative creativity to, to win, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus I'd like to read a po- some positive stuff in WrestleMania's blog, uh, you know, the week <laughs> after, please. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so we have that game coming up on the 13th at 7:30 PM. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go to a watch party or not. Um, we'll be sure to tweet out if we, we end up going somewhere. Uh, we won't be recording, though. But uh, we'll also be playing FC Dallas after that on the 20th, and then it's Fast and Furious in terms of the games. Atlanta United 2 had a tough game, a wonky game with a bad call in the beginning where they got a, a, a call in the penalty box, and it wasn't really a penalty, and it just snowballed from there, and they just couldn't get back in the match. Um, but uh, coming up, they have a game on this Wednesday on the 10th, uh, against Memphis 901, which is a pretty cool team. Uh, the four of the culture guys have been connecting with some of their supporters groups and stuff like that, and I've been seeing a lot of cool vibes. Uh, they sound like a really fun team that sprouted up, and they're doing cool things in Memphis, so that'd be a cool road game, I actually think. That I'd would like be, wouldn't it? Yeah, so they're going to be at Memphis 901. Uh, midweek, though, a little tricky, 8 p.m., and then they're back uh, at Kennesaw versus North Carolina FC, uh, who's always a stout op- opponent on the 13th at 7.30 p.m. Also, guys, uh, uh, Jess tweeted this out as well, but upcoming Soccer in the Streets has a uh, event called the Walking Soccer Cup. Challenge two-time European Cup winner and Liverpool legend Alan Kennedy in, what, a, what? in a slower version of the beautiful game. So uh, that'll be at Station Soccer, the West End, the new the new Station West Soccer. End field. And it's beautiful. Yes, I play there every week. It'll be on Easter Sunday, the 21st from 2 p.m., 5 p.m. So bring your cleats to church, roll out, put them on and go there. Hang out uh, with a legend, a Liverpool legend, and if, guys. And if you want to create a team, it's a hundred dollar, a hundred twenty dollar fee for ten players, but you can you can have your own team. Yeah, it's a it's a way to raise some money for a great cause. And also, if he's there, you know there may be some other special guests that pop Ooh. up as well. You never know. Uh, so at least, what do you what do you know, Jay? What yeah. are you not telling us? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Things happen. Things happen, so uh, <laughs> so you have to show up to find out. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It'd <clears throat> be a fun thing to go uh, record. Maybe we'll do a vlog or something. Um, iTunes reviews. Leave us a review, guys. We have 81 reviews. If we get to 100, we'll do a giveaway. Yes. Yeah. We're giving away Ricky Bevington uh, coffee for a day. No. <laughs> I'll say your name on the radio. That's, there you yes, go. I actually you go. probably. I'll just like work it into a weather cast. <laughs> My boss will never notice. Hurricane Jay Riddle. <laughs> what did she say? In your uh, traffic report. I didn't know she hurricanes riddles. have last names. Uh, it's really bizarre. Um, times are changing. So, <laughs> so yeah. Leave us a review, guys. And uh, the giveaway, though, if you want to be in the giveaway, you actually have to write a review. You, you can't do. Ju- you can't just leave a star, although we appreciate that. you got to actually uh, write something, and we'll read it off uh, on the podcast, and then you'll also be entered to win whatever we decide to do. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, remember, guys, our friends, Atlanta Beer Bus, they do have a promo code um, – Unrel, I think this is the last time you can use it. Yep. Uh, is uh, if you want to get twenty percent off uh, Friday through Sunday, they have this tailgate. Uh, especially, uh, we'll have to double check if they're if you can still use it. I would say go try to still use it. Yeah, uh, this why month not? Uh, because they are doing that thing from uh, Second Self. Yep. Where they drive for like fifteen bucks to the to the parking lot, and then they pick you up and bring you back to Second yeah, South Brewery. Yeah, it's a fifteen oh, fifteen yeah. buck round trip, so but they pick you up at the brewery and take you. It's not only cheaper than parking, 
uh, and fun. And, you get a, and an air Uber. conditioned ride yeah. <laughs> over there, right? With with other uh, uh, you know uh, inebriated people. Yeah. Uh, uh, people Beer that, drinkers. Uh, fans. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So do that. Atlanta United supporters. That's right. And uh, make sure you get on there because uh, they'll be blaring NPR, and you don't want to miss hey, well, that. You don't want to miss uh, it. They'll be hammering <laughs> in the golden spike. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricky, oh, we do. We... we do need it. Let's. Yeah. Ricky Bevington for the Golden Spike. Yeah, guys. People. Petition. Petition, Petition it. Come on. At Atlanta United. Ricky, Ricky Bevington, Bevington for Golden Spike. It'll match my hair. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it will. Maybe we can get him to do a golden microphone or something. <laughs> yes. Or instead of a hammer, you just hit it with yeah, a microphone. With a, with a, yeah, with a microphone. Yeah. yeah, that would be dope. <laughs> so, Ricky, where can all of uh, the wonderful listeners in Relegated find you uh, and reach out to you and send you those great questions like, uh, should I pay my taxes? Right, exactly. First of all, um, just a PSA here. Please t- pay your taxes. <laughs> just everybody listening. Um, I am on Twitter at... Ricky Bevington, and I'll spell it R-I-C-K-E-Y, uh, because people think that it's a nickname. It's not a nickname. Ricky is my actual given name, um, but that's probably the best way to talk to me. Yeah. Did you have a nickname when you played soccer? Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> there was no other nicknames growing up. It was just Ricky. It was always Ricky. My brother calls me Rue. Rue. Oh, that's great. That reminds me of Rue from um, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it, yeah. That's right. that's it is a character. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Rue is what he calls me. <laughs> oh, that's such so a great I would love to. I'd love to talk to people on Twitter. And despite my threats to tweet less about Atlanta United, I will continue to tweet <laughs> about Atlanta United. We insist. Um, and uh, otherwise, I'm going to call in the radio show if you don't. Uh, <laughs> we, we'd like to hear more about that Atlanta United <laughs> and soybeans. Uh, make sure, guys, if you want to, uh, if you're a listener on the podcast, but you would like to see. The wonderful shining face of Ricky Bevington and her cool shirt. You can see that because this will be published, uh, fingers crossed, on Atlanta United Fan TV. I think we got all the kinks worked out, guys. Uh, so go like, subscribe, and share uh, this episode on Atlanta United Fan TV YouTube channel. You can find us at Unreal ATL on all the social media. I'm Jay at J-A-Y underscore Riddle. And you can find me at the Kelly Francis on all the social medias as well. And you can find Jessica at Jessica ATL UTD. Hey, Ricky. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. Yeah, wonderful talk. Really great. I I loved every minute of it. And I'm I'm really going to have to... To, I'm seriously going to message you like late at night and be like, can you really cut those those out so I can repeat them to myself? Oh, right. Five bucks. <laughs> Five bucks a clip. Listen, this equipment's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. We'll catch you next time.